Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What is up, football fans? This is Danny Austin. This is the Live from the 55 podcast. Uh, we're here in the Nation Network studios. I am checking to make sure that people can hear me on the microphone. We didn't bother to test that before, but it looks like we're good. Um, so, yeah, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we're here. We took the weekend off. Uh, it was a long weekend, Canada Day. Happy Canada Day to all of those of you who I haven't talked to, which is most of you, but I uh, just kind of figured you know, we all needed a little bit of a break. So here we are. We're back. Um, fun week ahead in the CFL. Um, I woke up this morning. Here's a story just to get started. Uh, went, got in my car to drive to McMahon Stadium for St. Peter's practice, and all of my papers were over. Someone had gone into my uh, gone into my car. Um, I did not have any valuables in the car, but my parking pass for McMahon Stadium was stolen. Um, so, if you see anyone out there trying to pawn off a McMahon Stadium parking pass, please let me know. I'm not going to do anything about it. Um, what was weird is that they didn't steal my bike, which was unlocked in the back of the uh, car, but they did steal my McMahon Stadium parking pass and nothing else. Uh, no damage to the car or anything. But, you know, anyone who tells you people don't care about the CFL, there's, there's thieves out there who do. So, um, got a fun show ahead, I think. Uh, we have Ted Wyman, uh, my colleague with Post Media over in Winnipeg. We are going to really focus in on the Stampeders and Blue Bombers uh, playing on Friday night. That is a game that historically for me, has probably been uh, one of the more fun games of the year. Uh, this Bombers have obviously been sort of the powerhouse of the league the last half decade or so, while the Stampeders have always sort of felt like they were knocking on the door trying to take them down but couldn't quite do it. A little bit of a different situation this year. The Stampeders are a team that is very much in flux. Uh, and the Bombers, well, I think it's probably a little bit overstated. I, there are a lot of people who have not been overly impressed with the way they've played uh, over the last couple of weeks. There's concerns about the offensive line there. Uh, concerns about the age of the team. I, again, still sort of have them. They're right near the top of the league for me. They're, they'd be top of my power rankings, maybe number two. Um, I think that the Toronto Argonauts, after what they did to the BC Lions last week, absolutely have to be number one. I'm I'm blown away by what that team is doing. Um, we're going to have to focus more on them this season because I don't think that they're getting the respect that they deserve. Uh, they are the reigning Grey Cup champions, and I think a lot of people – sort of have almost ignored that and are, are treating them like an afterthought. But it's possible that the best team in the league right now is in the East. Uh, I think Chad Kelly's been good. That defense, what Corey Mays has doing, um, is absolutely incredible. And uh, they are on a bye week. So 
we'll move on from them pretty quickly. But I, I, I do think that when we look at the top of the league right now, I had the Lions as number one um, with the Bombers as number two and probably the Argos as number three heading into this weekend. Uh, the Bombers, they, they did beat the Alouettes. It wasn't the most impressive uh, win you've ever seen, but there was a long rain delay, all sorts of things. They still won 17-3, to so you know that defense is legit against an Alouettes team that has actually been pretty good this season. It's just, you look at Argos Lions and the 45-24 to scoreline. During the game, I did the calculation. In their three previous games this season, the Lions had uh, allowed 21 points. Uh, that was against, maybe it was 22, but it, 21, 22 points against the Stampeders, um, against the, the, the Bombers, and then uh, against the Edmonton Elks. And then the Argos went in, put up 25 points in the first half, 45 the entire game. That's more than double three previous games combined. You've got to give the Argos credit for that. I think that there are too many people saying, oh, Vernon Adams was bad. Vernon Adams was bad. Well, the opponent made Vernon Adams look bad. Vernon Adams is pretty good this season. Yeah, there were some missed throws, but that's a good team. Um, and yeah, and then when we look forward to the rest of the weekend, you got the Elks and the Riders in Saskatchewan uh, Thursday night. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I have zero faith in the Elks doing absolutely anything. That team is a tire fire. Um, they're going to... I. I'd put my money on them getting absolutely crushed. Stampeders, Bombers, which we're going to talk about. And then Ottawa-Hamilton, which is Calgary Stampede uh, out here. And I, I don't know that I can bring myself to leave the Stampede parties to watch an Ottawa Red Blacks and Hamilton Tiger Cats game. But um, I'm sure the fans, the, the diehard fans in those markets will love that game. Um, good on the Red Blacks for picking up their first win of the year last weekend. I'm not ruling them out. Jeremiah Mazzoli looks like he's nearing a return. There are things to like, but that's not a very good football game. And then we have the Alouettes and Lions on Sunday, which is actually an interesting game. But uh, my focus is, as it always is going to be, on the Stampeders and Bombers. Uh, lots of questions with the Stampeders. They brought in Mark and Michelle, who was a big part of that 2018 Great Cup winning team. Uh, West Division most outstanding defensive player in 2017. has been in the NFL sort of for four years since, and, and he's come back. We'll sort of be taking over from Malik Henry, who was out for the season with a torn uh, Achilles tendon. Looks like Reggie Bagleton is back. I know he still needs medical clearance, but we thought he was going to be gone for six games. He is not. Um, he will be back most likely. So this this offense that we thought was banged up and sort of thought might be the end, um, it's not. This offense should actually be pretty decent. I think Diedrich Mills has been doing a really nice job. The offensive line is going to have Bryce Bell left tackle. I think it's it's time for him to finally get that opportunity. So I, I, I like a lot of what I'm seeing from the Stampeders. I just think, you know, Winnipeg's such a tough game uh, in Winnipeg. You know, that stadium is super intimidating. That Bombers team, whether you think that they're quite what they were the last couple of years so far this season, you know they're locked in. You know this rivalry means something to them. I, I have a feeling that this is going to be a really hard game. That doesn't mean hard doesn't mean I think that the Stampeders are out automatically going to lose they tend to rise to the occasion a little bit when they are playing winnipeg these honestly have been in my opinions the the games of the regular seasons uh over the past sort of two seasons i, I last year all three games between these two teams were were settled by one score but the bombers won them all it matters to the stampeders that they win this one it's just a tough task it's a it's not an easy look and i think that you do need jake mayer to to be better than he's been it's just it's it's that simple you need his accuracy beyond you need that connection with mark and michelle to be sort of immediate and you need if reggie bagleton's out there you need reggie bagleton to be reggie bagleton i think he's still at his best you know one of the top receivers in the league and that's especially true now that i look and, and see guys like eugene lewis going down um this is a big game for the stampeders you don't want to be one and three especially with the riders likely beating beating the bricks off the elks this this week 
uh, if you know, Winnipeg were to win, you're just, you're losing ground and the Stampeders need to start picking up these wins and what a statement it would be for them to knock out the bombers. But uh, with all that said, you know, that's why we have Ted Wyman here. So, uh, Ted, for those who don't know, long time, uh, reporter, he covers sort of all the sports in Edmund, in Winnipeg, but you know, the bombers are his number one. He is a good friend of mine. One of the guys I, I most like seeing at gray cup. Um, and yeah, I wanted to bring Ted on and, and chat a little bit. So, uh, let's go to him. But before we do, I also just want to quickly give a shout out to our sponsor. Um, we are incredibly grateful. Uh, we are brought to you by Fraser and fig. I've told this story before, but, um, I grabbed one of their little charcuterie boards a little while for a picnic. I'm not joking. I, I looked like an absolute stud bringing a Fraser and fig charcuterie board. Um, box i guess they're, they're they're called but yeah these these guys give us uh ready to go cheese and charcuterie boxes it's curated it's all local artisanal ingredients they got four sizes so you know you can get a big one for you know for a nice dinner party or you can just get a small little individual box um but yeah you know every box comes with meat cheese dried fruit fresh fruit nuts olives pickles carrots it's everything you want um honestly you will look good if you show up somewhere with one of these charcuterie boxes from fraser and fig so thank you f- to them they are the best. We appreciate them. I am on Sunday. I'm buying one. I'm bringing an individual box. I'm going to come in here, and it's great podcasting. You guys can all just listen to me eat cheese and meat, <laughs> some fresh fruit, nuts, olives. I can just repeat the ingredients. I'm just going to sit here. If you're watching the YouTube show, you can, you can watch a middle-aged man uh, just, just eat his snacks. It'll be great, but I'm really looking forward to it. Thanks again to them. Let's go to Ted. Ted Wyman coming straight out of Winnipeg with the Winnipeg Sun. Buddy, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Straight out of Winnipeg. That's me. That is. Yeah, I know. Um, I am so sad not to be in Winnipeg. This oh. Week. This is one of my favorite trips of the year. Um, We're yeah. sad too, my friend. I know. Um, I know. But tell me, like, am I crazy that everyone just has all of a sudden decided, like, that, that the Bombers aren't as good as they used to be just because of one loss? And then, you know, it, it does seem like it's a little bit of overreaction, doesn't it? I would say so. Uh, you know, I definitely would, Danny. I mean, I, I've I've covered this team for a long time. They played great their first two games of the season, and they did not play well in that game against BC. It was almost like they were blindsided in that game. That was what concerned me. If there was one thing that concerned me, it was that they seemed unprepared for the fact that BC was going to punch them in the mouth like that. And they had no response, and they were pretty upset about it, especially the guys on the offensive line. Like Jamarcus Hardrick said it kept him awake at night because he couldn't quite figure out how they let that happen. So it was a surprise that that happened, and that does suggest that there's been a slip of some sort because that team, it just doesn't, the Bombers don't do that, right? They don't let another team come in and surprise them, but they did. Then they come back with a pretty good game against a Montreal team that we don't know for sure how good they are yet, but they've looked okay so far this season. If I was going to say anything about the Bombers slipping, I would say that what the Bombers have been for the last couple of seasons is the unquestioned number one team in the CFL. And you can't say that right now. They are not the unquestioned number one team in the CFL. In fact, you could definitely argue that there are two teams that are ahead of them right now. So, yeah, maybe there is a bit of a slip. But I still think they're pretty good, and I don't think that they're any less of a Grey Cup contender at this point. Because, as you know, nothing is decided in uh early july in this league well that's the thing like i'd almost and this is purely like this is theoretical that's i'm not saying this is anyone in the sports world would say that you want to lose games earlier or anything but like 
you always hear about teams, particularly in the CFL, wanting to build and get better as you go. So, you know, starting off and being that number one team that everyone is aiming for, like that might not be sustainable season after season after season. So like I look at these bombers and I think, yeah, okay. I mean, the offensive line maybe doesn't quite look like it has in years past or whatever, but like the idea that there's room for them to improve and to like stay focused on, on, on getting better and, 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 and catching up to maybe the Argos and, and what have you, like, I just don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad mentality to have. No, I don't think so at all. It probably gives them a little bit of a, of a boost. In fact, to say, Hey, you know what? We, we were, we are, we believe the top team and we're going to have to hold off these challengers. But I, I really believe that this team is such a veteran group that they're going to be thinking, we don't, it doesn't really matter until November. What, they how, how the, we they play, learned that right? last year, right? Like last year they were like, exactly we can say what we want. They were the best team in the league from day one. And then they didn't win the one. They didn't win the cup. Yeah. And, and honestly, you know, I, I think back to the fact that the Toronto Argos did win the Grey Cup last year. They lost 40-3 to three to the BC Lions last year. So what, what does it matter what happens early in the regular season? It just isn't important. What is going to be important is how the Bombers respond the next time they play BC. Um, it's going to be important how they respond against Calgary Stampeders at home on Friday night because they got their butts kicked in front of their own fans. Now, you can say that there's a lot of surprising things about the Bombers losing to the BC Lions. But for it to happen at IG Field, it's been a long time since it, since they lost a game at home like that. I believe the last time they lost a game where they were really badly beaten at home was 2018 in the Banjo Bowl against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I mean, it's been a while. So they're, uh, you know, th this is, it's unusual, but I didn't get any sense that people there, they took losing personally. There's no doubt about it. They did. And you could, you know, the Montreal Alouettes found that out because the Bombers were not going to get pushed around two weeks in a row. But they're not, there's just not, nothing close to panic, right? I mean, this is the most veteran group in the league. And they showed it, I think, in the way that they dealt with getting their butts kicked and coming out the next week and playing better. Um, and again, like I said, that wasn't a perfect performance in Montreal. It was pretty good. Um, but the first two weeks, the offense was on fire. Then here in, the, in week four, they get a win where the defense pretty much was the, the catalyst for it. They've also got Janarian Grant, so they've got a, a great special teams uh, situation in terms of their scoring. They've solidified their kicking game with Sergio Castillo and Jamison Sheehan at, as the punter. I think that they're, they're, they're as good a team as they were last year, to be totally honest, and in many ways. So I, I would be surprised if they're not right there battling for first place in the division at the end of this regular season. And they've got Kenny Lawler coming back. Yeah, I don't know when. I can't tell you that. I wish I could. That's a really uh, puzzling situation. And it, it does sound like he is going to be back, but how long? It, it's almost like it could be next week and it could be three weeks. It, they don't even know. It's just a, a, an interesting, difficult situation when you sign a player to that kind of contract. You'd like to see more out of them. But does it matter that much? They didn't have Lawler last week. They didn't have Dembski last week. Eh, they still won. Yeah, I mean they have Dalton Schoen. They've got Walatarski. Like they've got they they've got the deepest receiving core in the league. Um, and I mean again, I like to your point about oh, was the performance against Montreal, against Montreal was it like one that people are going to revisit? Probably not. But they won seventeen to three. Like they held the Alouettes, who had looked pretty good 
in previous games to three so points. So three. Yeah, yeah. I, I still think that, like, as much as Zach has rightfully been the MOP, you know, he's been, you know, the offense has drawn a ton of headlines. Like, the defense is is still the sort of unbreakable core of this of this team. Um, and if you're holding the Alouettes to three points, that suggests to me that there's been no drop off there. Well, Willie Jefferson was an absolute monster in that last game. Sacks, knockdowns, pressures, what have you. You're getting that all from him. And I don't think there's any coincidence that that happens the same game that Jeff Jackson Jeffcoat comes back. Jackson Jeffcoat has always made Willie Jefferson maybe not necessarily a better player, but a more productive player. Because the fact is, if you can double-team Willie, even Willie can't get through a double-team all the time and be productive, right? But when you've got a guy like Jeff Goat on the other side, um, it just makes a huge difference. And and obviously his performance or that defensive line's performance, that was their best game of the season, in my opinion. And I think that was a big reason why they held them to so few points. The Bombers, the, the, it, it kind of always reflects on the secondary. Um, in the earlier parts of the, the earlier games of the season, the secondary was really getting lit up a fair bit. And people always point to the D-backs as being the problem. But... I really felt like the problem early, if there was any problem for the Bombers early on, and they did give up a lot of points in their first three games, it was that they weren't generating enough from the defensive line. And with, uh, with Jeff Code out and Theodric Hansen, who was a regular on that line last year, they only had six guys in their rotation, which at times last year they had nine guys in their rotation. So you can't tell me that doesn't make a difference. I, I, I truly think it does. And I think now that as they're starting to get these important players back, they also got Cameron Lawson back this week, who's an important guy to have in the lineup uh, behind Jake Thomas. Uh, it, it just allows them to keep guys fresh. And I just think you saw the result of that this week, and it reflected on the whole defense. I feel like if I go back my seven years covering this team, like anytime I ask about a poor defensive back performance, Dave Dickinson always sort of was like, well, the D-line has to do its job first. Yeah. Right. I mean, like there, it is so interconnected and on a Canadian field, which is so big, if the D line's not putting pressure on the quarterback. Like receivers are going to get open. It's just sort of inevitable. Um, and I think like we've seen that in Calgary a fair bit, cause it's been the same sort of problem. Like if the D line is quick on a quarterback, this, this DB group in Calgary is exceptional, but the D line hasn't been playing up to its standard and it's reflected poorly on, on, on the backfield. I wonder how often that actually is the case, you know, over the years, when you really think about it, Danny, how many times have you talked to a coach after a win and you, we've been looking at deep balls and great running games and, uh, and, and you know, uh, picks, and, picks by the DBs and, and major tackles by the linebackers, and then the coaches say, well, it was all about the trenches, right? It's all mm-hmm. about what those two lines are doing, and it kind of comes down to that every game. It's those car crashes between the offensive line and the defensive line and who gets the upper hand there that so often determines what the final score is going to be. And like, I think like just in terms of games that I have witnessed with my own two eyes, which is pretty much all of them. Like it's why I, I do think Zach is the best quarterback I've seen certainly against the Stampeders in my time, because the number of times where we like we'd be in Winnipeg close game in the fourth quarter and Zach just like the Stampeders would get through that, that O line and Zach would just curl out to the right and yeah. buy an extra two and a half seconds and then find whether it was shown or, or Ellingson or, or anyone just down the sidelines for like a 30 yard gain in a moment that it looked like the Stampeders had probably just basically won the game. Like they were mm-hmm. in action. And that's the thing that I, I mean, it's, 
the Bombers have pretty much been the best everywhere for the better part of the last couple of years. And then they've had a quarterback who also like is just so good. He's got to improvise. Well, it's the thing that sets him apart from every quarterback the Bombers have had in my time covering the team. And in many of the years that I've watched this team, I mean, honestly, Danny, I've been uh, a Bombers observer almost since birth, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and I saw them well in, in the, through the 80s when they actually did have some wins and they had some great players, obviously, great quarterbacks like Dieter Brock and, uh, and Tommy Clements. And then many, many years of just trying to make things work. They did have Matt Dunnigan for a while. They had Kahari Jones for a while. They didn't win with those guys, but they had them. But so many other guys in between were you're just trying to make something happen and you could be pretty good, but were you there right when you needed it most? Probably not. That's the difference. That's what sets Zach Caleros apart for me is that he's so calm and cool that it doesn't matter if it's the first drive of the game or the last drive of the game. He's got the plays and he's got that, like you talked about that escapability. And I'm sure in your mind, you're envisioning his first game as a blue bomber when he did this double rollout, almost got to the sideline and found Darvin Adams in the back of the end zone yep. for a touchdown. And I mean, honestly, that's a play that everybody in Winnipeg remembers. Uh, even years later, when he's got two Grey Cups and two MOPs since then. But that was a moment that said right away, it's like, this guy is different. This guy is special. He's not just your average pocket thrower. He's not just the guy that has a strong arm. He's got vision and escapability and creativity and all those things. Isn't it crazy to think that he was so close to being out of the league? Like oh, it's, 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 totally it's crazy. a great story of the CFL of the last half decade. Is that like, we honestly, like, I thought that I was never going to see Zach play again. I did not think he was a great quarterback when he was playing with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I thought he was really good in Hamilton. I thought that when he got to Saskatchewan, from what my perception was that he wasn't, you know, that he, he had too many injuries and he just wasn't what he was before. And he was kind of an average quarterback that you know was was maybe good enough to help Saskatchewan get a certain distance but not really all the way um I I was absolutely shocked by how good he was when he arrived in Winnipeg and I think it's just it it was getting him in the right system he always just he needed that right system and there's no coincidence that he has chosen to re-sign and re-sign and he's even here for three more years in Winnipeg because he likes this system you he likes what Paul LaPolice was doing. He likes what uh, Buck Pierce has been doing, and he thrives in it. And I just think it's it's neat to see because we often write quarterbacks off too uh, too early, don't you think? You know, it's like, well, oh, yeah. this guy came into the league. He had a couple of good years. He got yanked. Now somebody else is in there. Let's just forget about him. But, you know, with Zach, it's like people kind of started to write him off. And in his 30s, He's been the best quarterback in the league and the, played the best football he's ever played in his life. And I think that's just a great cautionary tale and a, and a hopeful story for other quarterbacks who are, you know, getting there but not quite there right now in this league. It's literally like it's something that like I would urge Calgary Stampeders fans to remember because like I have no idea if it's going to work out with Jake Mayer. I have no idea if he's going to lead this team to great cups. But because Calgary has had Flutie, Garcia, Dickinson, Burris, then Bo. Like there's just, he's being held to a standard where it's like he's a young quarterback who is going to make mistakes. And like that, that's part of the process. And I get emails just talking about how, oh, I've seen it. It's like, guys, he started 10 games. He 
He's won about half of them, and he's I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying that, but if you're expecting a CFL quarterback to come in and, and right off the bat sort of play at an all-star level, it, it just rarely ever happens. And if you look, I mean, who's been like Vernon was bad against the Argos, but he's been pretty good. He's a quarterback who is getting better, getting better. Uh, I think Trevor Harris has looked pretty good in Saskatchewan. That's a veteran guy who, who sort of understands the game. I mean, now Chad Kelly, like it's still yeah. too early on him, obviously, but like promising though, <laughs> promising. Yeah. Um, Mazzoli, we're all expecting Ottawa to get better. And it is normally the veteran guys. And you just can't expect a guy in that first year of his career necessarily. You can't completely evaluate him because he has to learn the game. With that said, um, for me, the last couple of years, and this is likely like you guys in Winnipeg probably understand this, but it feels different. And I understand, you know, the banjo bowl and everything are going to be the big ones, but it's felt Calgary going into Winnipeg felt like the biggest game of the year for Calgary. Um, and not just because they were the, the Grey Cup champions, but it was sort of like they were the measuring stick. And I think Calgary really believed that they could beat them and then just kept losing by less than, you know, every game was tight, felt like a fist fight. It doesn't necessarily feel that way to me. What does this game, like, what's the vibe for you of this game? Well, I'm not around the Stampeders, Danny. So, I mean, I have to read your copy and uh, and other people uh, from out there and listen to listen to the podcast and radio to get a sense and and honestly it just seems like right now it kind of feels to me like it's teams going in different directions but you know just because uh, I'm not saying I'm certainly not writing the Stampeders off but they didn't have the greatest offseason in my opinion in terms of of retaining players they've got a had to had to do some real retooling here and they're they're coming in to play a team that you would expect to be very determined to not let a team come in and stomp them again on their home turf or even beat them. Um, their bombers are extremely hard to beat at home. Uh, they hadn't even barely lose a game at home over the last few years. Uh, that was a very rare one. Two in a row would be a real shocker on home field. I, I just, those are all intangible factors, of course, but my sense, you asked me my gut of it, my sense is that this should be in my opinion, a game the Bombers will win, um, but it doesn't mean that that's, you know, it's, it's not like it's impossible, though. That's And I think the BC Lions gave hope to a lot of teams in the CFL by what they did because they did come in and show. The Bombers are not just vulnerable to a last-second field goal. They're not vulnerable to a block kick. They're not vulnerable to whatever, you know, honestly, a fluky way that they ended up losing the Grey Cup last year in a lot of ways. They're not just vulnerable to that. They were vulnerable to being booted, right? Like they were they were kicked all over the field. They were beaten in every phase of the game. They were embarrassed. They were clobbered. Um, and they were pretty upset about it. So it's possible. And the, and the Calgary Stampeders have to have hope in that sense. Um, it's just that they haven't played great so far. And so to come into Winnipeg, which has got to be one of the hardest places in the league to win, um, when you haven't played great so far, it doesn't scream upset to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm seeing it wrong, but that's my no, I, 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 I'll be honest. You're not seeing it wrong. I, I don't even think – I think the Stampeders, uh, you know, they believe that they can win. But I think even they know, like, a win would – Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Be huge here because it's just not likely. Now, they were with Malik Henry being hurt for the rest of the year. That sucks. I walked into this week being like, this is this is going to be a... A massacre. The, the bombers are going to kill them. Mark and Michelle is a really nice pickup. Um, Indeed. Yeah. Um, and I do expect him to play. And if Reggie Bagleton is is there, then you you give him a chance. But um, I think my key to victory there would be that I do think there are questions about that bombers O line, and I yes. do think that, that that the Stampeders defensive line, while they haven't really put up the numbers yet, I still believe Mike Rose is the best defensive tackle in the league, and he's played well against the bombers and, and you just need production from Hauser and, and, and Botters. That might be an area where there is an advantage for the Stampeders. Well, they're going to need it too, Danny, because Brady Oliveira has been running the ball really well. And the bombers, they actually had 180 yards rushing, I think the last game. And that included Greg McRae with 49 and included, included Rashid Bailey coming off the jets sweep. They'll have Nick Dembski back, who's a guy that can go on the jet sweep. They've got Janarian Grant. They run the ball a lot of different ways. Oliveira had one twenty. Like you're not like that's worth noting. He still had a huge game. It was everyone contributing plus him. Exactly, and then so so that's a big key. If you can get Mike Rose and the big D line to step in there and and limit them, look, that's exactly what BC did. They didn't. They they made right from the very first time they handed off to Oliveira. The Bombers probably tried three or four running plays right at the beginning of that game against BC. And those were very hard yards to come by. It wasn't like they held him to one or two, but they didn't give him much more than four or five. And he wasn't able to get first downs on the ground. And it really changed the, uh, the, the, you know, the plan of attack for the bombers. And if you can do that, you throw them off their game and look, what happens when you got one team leading by a lot, BC was up quite a bit. The Bombers are throwing the ball on every down, and what happened? They got sacked into oblivion. I mean, and that was a terrible game for the Bombers' offensive line, but there's no doubt that it was pass rush on every single play, and so it does lead to more of that. I, I you know, I'm not going to argue. You and I have talked many times about Stanley Bryant, whether he's still the ultimate elite uh, uh, offensive tackle that he once was. He still did win the offensive line award last year. But that game, to me, suggested 
while somebody just had their way with Stanley Bryant. We have not seen that happen very often. And Matthew Betts basically ate him for dinner. And, you know, I think, again, there's another reason why you have to give some hope to it. But I don't know what your thoughts are. Maybe we can get into another thing here. But I don't know about the pro football focus uh, (laughs) stuff that comes out. uh, You know, I, I was shocked again this week. The Bombers offensive line graded out as the top. Um, so three out of the four weeks, if you believe that, right. And this is, these are stats that are used, I think, to, you know, emulate what coaches do in terms of grading out players. The Bombers have had the best offensive line three out of four weeks this year, if you believe those stats. So other than that one terrible game. So I don't know, are they really taking a step back? They certainly didn't look good in that one game. And when I was saying, I'm not necessarily saying that I expect the Stampeders defensive line to step in and dominate. I'm just saying like, I do. There's a chance. That has to happen for them to win. Yeah. Um, I also like, I mean, as for the the run game that you're referring to, like the Stampeders cannot fall behind early in this game. Like the Bombers, when the Bombers get to, to choose what they want to do, they're they're virtually unbeatable. And I genuinely do believe that. Like the only way is to get um is to get ahead on them. And that's something that the Stampeders have been, frankly, like Jake Mayer has been much better in the second halves of games than the first halves. Um, but they have not been a great first half team um in my mind this year so like i everything for me is uh, like if if you were to say here are the keys to victory i can tell you what the stampeders need to do but i i think that sort of everything is stacked against them not in a the universe hates the stampeders way but there's just no way i would pick the stampeders to win this game there's well there's not they, and the problem there is you then fall to one and three and if you're the stampeders like the riders are going to crush the elks and they're just falling further behind the pack right now yeah um and the good news is that, I mean, it's way too early to talk about, you know, playoffs and what have you, but the good news is I don't think that there are three good teams in the East right now. Um, I don't think Ottawa will be significantly enough improved that they, that there should be a crossover, but the stamps, man, like they've, they don't have much room for error here. And you're only yeah. going to play Hamilton and Edmonton so many times. Didn't you think Hamilton would be better though? I mean, no, I had them, I legitimately had, like if I had done my power rankings at the beginning of the year, and I think I said this on the podcast, but like, I had Winnipeg number one. Um, I had Toronto. Oh, I, I think I had Calgary too, which I look pretty bad saying now, but it was just. Yeah, it's early, man. I know. But, uh, well, and it's just, I, I've covered this team. Like they're always in the, in the mix, right? Um, and that, I, I think that they will be in the mix at the end of the year. I just think that they're going to have to win some big games in the back half of the season. Um, and then I would have had Toronto and Hamilton as like one of the two as my three, four. Um, and after that, I, I had no idea BC was going to be this good. No, no, did I BC looked terrible, but, um, I, I do think that's sort of been, and Farhan and I were talking and, you know, no one in Winnipeg wants to hear this, but the best thing for the league right now is that the bombers aren't the clear cut number one again. Yeah, I think that's true. I'm not sure that the best thing for the league is having Toronto be the best team in the league though, because nobody there cares anyways. So, you know, even if they even if they had uh 18 and 0 team, they still wouldn't attract a very large crowd in Toronto. So, I'm not sure that helps. It's hard to say, but I don't disagree with you. And I think the Bombers uh, like I don't know, did they get complacent in that game against Toronto or did they just get beat? I don't know. It's hard to say in that Great Cup game. But they were far and away the best team. They didn't ever expect to lose. Among them, one of their losses uh, out of three uh, last year was a game that was, uh, you know, they didn't dress their starters. So it's like th- that was a pretty dominant team 
and they just they they probably should have cruised to the Grey Cup win, and they didn't. And that's a bit of a wake up call there. The loss to BC, a bit of a wake up wake up call here, knowing that there are other teams that are going to challenge them for top spot and whatnot. Mike O'Shea would never even like he would laugh. I think that hearing me talk like this because he says he doesn't think that way at all. But I think people do within the locker room still think that way. We got to make sure that we're in the fight against these teams that are pushing us. We're no longer the top dogs. I think it's probably going to be a good thing for them. Yeah. And I, I mean, where we're at in week five of the CFL season, we know it's this league, everything changes. It, it, this, all of these talks like doing power rankings. I just like doing them. <laughs> and I will be honest with people you, like I, reading them too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's how we engage with the sport. And I just think that right now, like I agree with you. I, I'm not going to say I took, the Argos winning the Great Cup last year is a fluke or anything like that. I didn't. You win the trophy or you don't. I covered Stampeders teams in 16-17 that like lost in the Great Cup to teams that they were probably better than um, or were definitely better than. Um, they won it at 8-10 eight, eight and 10 in 2001. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this is, this is football. But I do think that I will say to the Argos' credit, regardless of, you know, their fan base or whatever it is, not only – I mean, it, it's – doesn't matter of recontextualizing the great cup. They are the best team in the league right now. I, I, yeah, I, I think so. What they did to the lions is hard to ignore. And I know for everyone saying, Oh, it was Vernon playing badly. Vernon playing like Corey Mason, the guys on the field deserve a little bit of credit for messing with Vernon's eyes, for getting in his face, for, for forcing some mistakes there. And I, I do just think like, yeah, it's, it's worth giving them their flowers a little bit because I think that it's, they are, I don't know. You can only do what you do on the field and, and, and they, they're the best team right now. I, I can't, they might not be in at Labor Day. They might not be a great cup, but through the first month of the season, they're the best team. Aren't they averaging like 40 points a game? I mean, <laughs> it's insane. Right. And, and I think Chad I would Kelly, confirm that, but I don't have any stats. Yeah. I, because the we CFL can doesn't. say anything we want. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> yep. Look it up. Come on. I, I dare you. <laughs> did they did they get you a CFL guidebook? I have it. It's right here, man. Check it out. It's beauty. There you go. Yeah, it's Eugene Lewis on the cover, which I thought was interesting. Well, because um, the Elks are so good, right? <laughs> <It's true>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I was just surprised. Like I got mine this week, and I was surprised to see a, a free agent with a new team. And like Eugene Lewis, elite player, no question. But I was I was a little bit surprised. A player on the worst team in the league, just covering <laughs> in the cover of the thing. Well, maybe no stats. I don't know, man. Like, see, that's a weird one to me too, because I think a lot of people making their predictions before the season thought the Elks would be better. Yep. I, I, you know, and obviously you added Eugene Lewis. He's one of the best players in the league. They've got other good players, but this quarterback situation there is just—I I mean, it's—I I don't know why they're doing this i i don't understand the play calling i don't understand you know it doesn't seem like they're playing to the strengths of these guys that they're putting out there they've hitched so much to taylor cornelius um well, and jerry I, mojong was on last week and he said that the main reason they did that was because they thought he was going to go sign a spring league contract so they were trying to incentivize keeping him around it's like you did that and then you invested a bunch of money in a guy who doesn't look like a starting quarterback right now. Well, he just, like I do like the way he can run. I like his arm strength, but he has not very good accuracy. And I think that's a pretty important thing for a quarterback, don't you? 
And I mean, that's really, it's just, one. it's, it's just, it's, it's been too long. It's too long and too many losses for that organization to keep going on like this. I, I don't know what the heck they well, do. I can't even believe a team could lose that many games at home in a row and still and, survive. It's probably lucky that they're uh, community oak. <laughs> well, it is, but I mean, the concern there is like, at what point are you doing permanent damage? Like, Oh, I, it's have, already have, happening, isn't it? Yeah. Like, have you lost a generation of fans who just are never going to come back because it's been this bad. And I mean, I don't, Last year, I was at games where they claimed that there were 20,000 people in the stands. There were not more than seven or 8,000. Um, like Commonwealth was, Commonwealth was the worst stadium. It was the worst crowds that I have covered in my seven years. Like it was worse than Argos games. It always looks worse when you're in a 55,000-seat stadium and you've got 10,000, right? Even 10,000 at BMO is, is still almost 50% of the, of the <laughs> building. But, you know, I, I, that's, it, it's baffling. It really is. And I got to say, the, the we're talking now about the past because we're talking about the days when we traveled to, to games. But uh, last year I was at a game in, uh, in Edmonton. I think it was, it must have been in the fall because I remember it well. There was an NFL game on. It was, thir- you know, the night before a, a Bomber Elks game on a, on a Thursday night and uh, Kelly's Pub downtown Edmonton. You know, I mean, the crowd, it was a huge crowd there for the NFL game. They were going nuts. It was just, it was, it was a big deal to watch the, you know, the, the commanders and the giants or something like that. And then the next day I'm there and it's the night of a bomber game. And after the game, it's like, nobody even knew the game was on. It's just, it's tough. Like, I know that's not unique to Edmonton, but yeah. I, I remember going there and feeling this is the epicenter of the CFL for a long time. And it was right. I mean, it was yeah. five years ago. It was one of the better markets. I mean, I, I had the luxury of going for like Labor Day replay and for going for Calgary Edmonton games, which obviously are typically a draw. Um, but they had great crowds five years ago and they have just evaporated. And I mean, it's, there's sort of been something similar, not quite as dramatic that's happened in Calgary, but um, that home losing streak, you can't, I, I don't think that there's, you can quantify how, how damaging it really is. And I do. I will be honest. I think with a quarterback, wins some games. I just think finding a quarterback in the CFL is next to impossible. It is not easy right now, especially, yeah. especially obviously when you're um, trying to recruit somebody and and get them in there and have them learn this game and and become a starter and and try to lead you to wins. I mean, it just doesn't come out of nowhere. No. Um, there's mo- most guys have to mentor for a while. And most of them do, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and before they get somewhere. But we just talked about how Zach Caleros was a good quarterback, but certainly nothing great until he was in his thirties, and now he's playing his best football. And we yeah. talked about Trevor Harris, and we talking about VA. Those guys are all playing good football. They're all in their thirties. They're not young men anymore. So it's it's just going to be a, a a stretch to try to win with young guys like that. Chad Kelly's not that young either. But nope. he is new to the CFL, but he seems to have that kind of fit. And he did mentor last year uh, under MBT. And he does, you know, I, I, I think he's exciting for the CFL. I think it's important to have guys like that. And he is exciting for the CFL because Cody Fajardo is not going to get people very excited. 
And nope. I'm not sure Jake Mayer yet is going to get people very excited. And I know Taylor Carnelis isn't going to get people very excited. So right. the strange it, thing about Jake was that his accuracy was like legitimately like all time great in his first couple starts with the Stampeders. And now it's, it just doesn't seem to be there, but well, is it because of the deep ball though? Like, I mean, how many of those passes were fairly short when he was having that historical it's part accuracy? Of the deep ball. Honestly, the Stampeders offense has just been uninspired. Um, there have been, like what I get, what it gets chalked up to play calling, but I don't know if it's because Jake's under pressure. So just takes the quick little, you know, pass along the line of scrimmage to get the ball out. And then it just doesn't work. But um, they just haven't, the deep ball has not been there. He's been over and throwing the deep ball. And beyond that, like Reggie Bagleton is probably as good as anyone in the league at cutting across the middle, catching that ball, shaking his defender and taking off for 10 yards after carry. And that pass just hasn't been there. Now he didn't play the last game against Saskatchewan. Um, and I think it's pretty hard to judge a quarterback when he has three rookies starting receivers. Like they did last game, like Malik Henry was the most experienced receiver on that team and had something like 18 games as a starter. You know, they were very young and Jake didn't look great, but I don't, I'm not an educated enough football mind to know how much of that is miscommunication with his receivers his receivers not knowing what to do versus him not being on his game but yeah but it's it's gonna be fascinating and if he has reggie and, and markin back i mean markin is i don't know that there's a more dangerous guy down the sideline in the league than markin michelle um there's a reason he was he stuck around the nfl for four years after his stint so you, you got to be able to throw the deep ball for that to work though right so yeah. i mean that's that's the question that's going to come up and it's interesting because, like, I don't know. Calgary's situation wasn't going to be great if you kept Bo either, it seems. I mean, it just doesn't seem like he uh, really had the accuracy anymore either. You know, he didn't seem to last year, and he really didn't seem to in his first couple of games this year. So that's that's become, you know, that's an issue right there in itself. Obviously, it's not Calgary's problem anymore, but is, is Bo still a – Bonafide CFL quarterback at this point, you almost have to wonder. And I mean, I, I will go to my grave believing that the Stampeders had to make that move. Um, they had a guy they believed in, Dave Dickinson, John Huffnagel, both quarterback guys. Um, and he cost less. He looked better last year. It, it was He was significantly younger. Bo has had injury issues. I'm not ready to write Bo off. Um, Hopefully when he comes back from injury, he'll be you know in a little bit better form. Yeah, and that like, I don't know. There, the week one was it in Winnipeg, right? Yeah, and they looked terrible. Week two, one of the just some passes were there though for him. I mean, yeah, they were just, there, and he just didn't hit them. Yeah, no, I mean, he doesn't play much in training camp. Never has. So, I, I, I can't. I don't want to make excuses for Bo. I hope to be honest. Like, I would. It, it would be better for the league if that Hamilton team is better than they've looked. But my whole thing with Hamilton is I think it goes so much deeper than quarterback there. Like just some of the discipline stuff, all of that doesn't True. happen on a, has not happened on previous Hamilton teams, really. I don't know, man. Toronto was ridiculously badly disciplined last year and they won the Grey Cup. So you just never know. And I also will point out that I think Hamilton was well, you know, in a big hole last year as well. And they came back and were pretty strong. And a lot of people even thought they might be still Grey Cup contenders. By the end of the season, I would I I would never write them off. Absolutely not. But they have they, you know, by get by letting Jake or uh, sorry Jeremiah Masoli go uh, two seasons ago, 
and then replacing Dane Evans with Bo this year, it hasn't seemed to be the answer. Um, and, and those were two quarterbacks who I think both can play in this league. So it's going to be an interesting situation. And um, uh, I, I guess, you know, we're not really here to debate the Hamilton Tiger Cats, but I do think that they'll come back. And on that if other they lose front, to Ottawa, are you willing to rule, to write them off? Well, yeah. I don't know. No, no, because the East is the East, man. Yeah, that's true. It's like there's, it's not that hard to make the playoffs in the East generally. So, and and all you got to do is get in. I'm not saying that that wasn't the case with Toronto last year. Toronto was a bona fide first place team last year in the East and they, and they won the Grey Cup and that's fine. They had a, I think 11 and seven record. That's good enough. Like that's a, lots of teams have won the Grey Cup with that, yep. but you have such a good opportunity coming out of the East because all you got to do is get into the playoffs. Sometimes you can get a playoff game with a below 500 record. You've, you've got an opportunity to get into the Grey Cup every year, I think, coming out of the East. So, no, I never will write a team off in the East. I probably write the Elks off, and that's it. Everyone else in this league, I think, has a chance still to be the Grey Cup champion because there's so much season left. That's completely fair and accurate, to be honest. Um, it's completely accurate. I do think if you lose to Ottawa, I, I, I begin to have concerns about whether you're ever going to bring it back but um i'd like to see ottawa do well too though and you know their attendance isn't exactly uh off the charts so they've got a fun situation there as you well know uh out at lansdowne park there's a lot of uh place you know it's a good atmosphere there's a lot of there seems to be a lot of young people that go to the games it's a good situation out there and they lost what 13 games in a row at home yeah. So I'd like to see them turn it around and be a strong team in the CFL. It's a, like, as you and I, 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 we've talked about it so many times, Danny. I mean, we cover the CFL and it's important to us. And, and, and I, you know, I'm a fan of the CFL. I want the CFL to succeed. And I don't like seeing these situations like in Edmonton and Ottawa and even Calgary where attendance is waning. And it's in some cases, it's definitely got to do with losing. But in some cases, it's just got to do with, apathy mm -hmm. and it, you just want to see these places have an opportunity to get things back on track and and because for the future of this league it's imperative yeah and and we know that those places can be good when they're good for sure you know really good yeah and i mean i'm from toronto that organization matters to me i, I have sort of lost hope there but yeah with ottawa i mean again though if ottawa beats hamilton they're two and two right the Alouettes are going to lose the Lions. As bad as I pretend that Ottawa is, that puts them in second place in the in the East Division. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you're right. Like no one is out of it. So, um, well, all right, man. I'm gonna let you go. I wish I was seeing you this weekend. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, usually uh, for the folks out there, we come to, over my house. We have a pizza on the pizza. deck, a few yeah. beers, get a lot of the local media out because everybody loves Danny. So uh, we're gonna yeah. miss that. Maybe we'll do it anyway tomorrow and Facetime you in or something like that. I'd love that. Please do that. Um, don't do it Friday. I will be doing Calgary Stampede stuff after the game. Um, but yeah, it is honestly, and I say this sincerely. I mean, Jeff Hamilton always laughs, and he's like, "You say every city is your favorite, but Winnipeg <laughs> has the most vibrant CFL media community still." So it's always been. You guys are always good to me, and I love you guys. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry I can't be there. Maybe someday. Well, uh, I'll tell you some good news, buddy. I will be at the game in Calgary on August 18th. No way. Because my nephew is getting married that weekend, and I am coming to Calgary, so I'll be at the game. That is amazing. That is Looking amazing. forward to it, too. That's awesome. And I, 
we're gonna have to talk more about that off air because i'm very excited to hear that that just made my day all right buddy all right thanks man okay bye-bye all right and that is that uh ted wyman from the winnipeg sun brought to you by our our sponsors fraser and fig um talk about these guys all the time i love them uh they do when you know delicious elevated cheese and charcuterie made with fresh artisanal provisions for on-demand grazing for pickup or delivery these guys really are awesome honestly it's like these ready-to-go cheese and charcuterie boxes um four sizes i have gotten one for two uh i will be on sunday having one of their you know individuals but they have bigger ones as well large ones extra x for large um you know Got no meat option. They've got cheese only. I'm looking at it right now on the website. It's amazing. I will be having the small individual box on Sunday here when we are recording. Um, 15 nights of stampeding. Going to be a great episode uh, for sure. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, they do. I, I should also note Fraser and Fig, their boxes all come with meat, cheese, dried fruit, fresh fruit, nuts, olives, pickles, and carrots. You know, their selections change month to month. So, you know, just because we've had one doesn't mean you've had them all really big thank you to fraser and fig and uh thank you to ted wyman we were supposed to have another guest who honestly couldn't make it and that's perfectly fine but um i love ted he's one of the, the smartest guys in this here media game and um i am you know I, I i agree with what he was saying that this is a game that when you look at it just kind of feels like at least on paper the advantages largely lie with the bombers uh you don't expect the bombers to lose at home at all losing two in a row at home would be sort of unthinkable but that's not always, you know, the Stampeders, there's there's good pieces there. I think Diedrich Mills has been exceptional at running back, uh, has really, really stepped up in Kadeem Carey's absence. Um, we're going to find out tomorrow morning, so sort of when this is published, whether Reggie Bagleton is in, but he has been practicing as a starter all week. There are no guarantees. He's got to get medical clearance. He's got to be willing to take contact. Having Reggie Bagleton in makes a huge difference for these Stampeders. I also think, obviously, the inclusion of Mark and Michelle, he's only been here in Calgary for a couple days now, but he knows the system dating back to his time in 2017, 2018, when he was absolutely elite. He's got a speed that very few players in the CFL possess. I like adding those two with the Trey Odoms Dukes. Uh, I expect we're going to see a lot more of Rice and John this week. Um, we'll tip. And then, yeah, I just, I, I think that it's time for, you know, the Mike Roses and, and James Vodders and Julian Hausers. It's, you know, I, I know that they're chomping at the bit. I know that they're not super thrilled with their, you know, their sack numbers. So there are questions about this Winnipeg offensive line. Some of them justified, some of them not. Uh, that's going to be, I, I think, where this game could be decided. But it's a big task for the Stampeders. You know, win this one. And I think it's going to change a lot of people's opinions on the trajectory of the season. But, you know, beyond that, Thursday night, Elks Riders. It's hard to not pick the Riders in that one, given what we've seen from the Elks. Uh, Saturday, you get the Red Blacks and Tie Cats. You know, I sort of dismissed that one earlier in the show. Talking to Ted, you're right. You know, win for the Red Blacks, puts them in the mix, two and two. Uh, the Tie Cats need a win. You know, that's not that's not the that's not the terrible matchup that I was maybe pretending it was. Um, the East is interesting. You know, you have this powerhouse Argos, and everyone else sort of fighting, trying to convince us. Let's see how it goes. Beyond that, uh, Alouettes and Lions on Sunday. Lions are going to want to bounce back from a terrible loss at the hands of the Argos and the Alouettes didn't look like much against the Bombers last week so you know they were probably playing the two best teams in the league both of them fell short now they get a chance to go ahead and show me I like it so um 
yeah, we'll be back here Monday morning recording on Sunday. Uh, really looking forward to that one because we're going to have a lot to talk about. This is a fun, fun weekend of games. But beyond that, again, thank you to Ted Wyman. Thank you to Fraser and Fig. Thank you to you for uh, listening. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you.